0: Fucks in deep. I like it. These guys are jerks. Fucks in deep. Bless you, boys! Young men expressing themselves. Unbelievable! Fucks in deep. Put it in deep. deep. Here's and Kaverick. Swings it up top from a car. Far side, Miko
1: Dancing in the circle. wide McKinnon. To the top. Shoots! Score!
0: Nathan Man. Play goal, and the ABS have the one nothing lead. You know, getting pucks deep, putting the puck deep, put pucks in deep. He's chipping pucks, he's getting pucks deep. Just put the puck deep, getting pucks out, getting pucks deep, get pucks deep, pucks in deep, puck deep, pucks deep, deep. keep getting pucks deep.
1: All right, we are back here on the Pucks in Deep podcast, episode forty-eight, and it's been a long time coming. A couple weeks in the process, some stitches later, and we'll get into that later, I'm sure. Uh, it's been a, an interesting week too. Lots of news to talk about. It's going to be a real fun episode. Uh, again, uh, Pucks and Deep Podcast. Find us on Twitter at PuckPod at Coleman Forty Two. And I'm all alone right now in the studio. But Adam Lesko, my co-host here, at Lesko Adam. You can find him on the Twitter sphere. And right now, you can find him on an island somewhere where it's warm and sunny. So we can all reflect on how shitty of a person Lesko is for being there right now. And later on in the segment, uh, or in the episode, I should say, we're going to have Sirius XM Channel 91, NHL Network Radio host, not Tyler Mataraz, not this time, no, no, it's Jake Hahn's first appearance here on the Pucks and D podcast. He's been waiting his time, and his time is tonight. Jake's a big pooly guy, so I can't wait to get uh, into some fantasy talks with Jake. But before we go there, let's go to the Bahamas and check in with Mr. Adam Lesko. go. What are you doing down there, bud? Well, you having a good time uh, or what?
2: My friend. Oh, wow. Am <laughs> I having a good time? You know, 26 and sunny every day. Um, all the drinks you can drink, all the food you can eat. Um, needless to say, I'm taking full advantage of both of those things with a couple of late nights, you know? But uh, yeah, man, like it's, it's just an incredible place. Uh, we're, on, we're on Exuma uh which is actually the island where that that fire festival debacle thing was it's actually like right on the other side of the point that netflix Uh, documentary is that what you're talking about yeah the netflix documentary yeah oh okay i've seen that yeah 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 right nearby that and there's actually a professional golf course next door as well uh where they have the web.com i guess coming up in a few weeks so i actually played 18 holes there today with a with a new best friend there I made so uh, unreal
1: yeah you're, was, you're, you're in the ba- cool sorry but you're in the bahamas why not go see fucking tiger woods he's right there bud.
2: yeah it's different island there's like 700 islands here on the bahamas <laughs> so okay we're where it's a pretty small like rural island that we're on here at the at the sandals great exuma
1: oh man a sandals too nice Emerald Bay. Yeah. yeah
2: man it, it's absolutely stunning and the golf course wraps right around the ocean and what? It's, it's, it's just stunning. Actually, I had to play it too. You know, you know me, I'm not much of a golfer, but I hadn't golfed in three years, but I, you know, I said, fuck it. I rented some clubs and went out there today and had a blast.
1: How'd you do? Did you get any pars? Did you get any bogeys? Uh, no,
2: no. No pars. Not. <laughs> now my not. My, my drives were pretty solid after I, I kind of worked out the kinks, but as usual, my short game was pretty brutal.
1: How were the rental clubs?
2: Oh, they were decent, man. tailor made. Like, really? Eh? Solid. Yeah. yeah well, yeah, I, I imagine. Surprised about
1: that. Sands, they yeah, don't fuck but, around.
2: Yeah. Sandals don't fuck around, not one bit. And I don't fuck around while I'm here either.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, a couple of late nights, you said, eh? I mean, uh, are you the kind of vacation guy? I think we talked about this before. Are you the kind of vacation guy that uh, likes to settle in on the flavor of the week and then that's your drink for the whole time? And you go, oh, yeah, I remember when we went here and all I was drinking was pina coladas. It becomes a memory.
2: Yeah, I basically had to shut down on the uh, on the drinks late night, basically because, or sorry, yesterday I had to take a break. I, I didn't drink at all during the day because there's too much rum, too much citrus and fruity stuff going on. So I needed to take a break from that. So yesterday I kind of pumped the brakes and then switched back to the the regular stuff. I went on the Crown Royal with a couple of beers, and then I also. Um, And I got to say, what up to my man, Anfroy who just walked in and saved the day because I lost my jewel like an idiot.
1: And the guy fucking found it. What a beauty. Thank you, sir. (laughs) Oh, my God. All right, Live look in on Lesko's vacation here. Live look in. Yeah, my
2: my butler just uh, saved the day here. And I left it on the room service tray like a dumbass. Well, speaking of room service, the the first time I had you on, the
1: fucking room service was coming by. I said, that would have been good to have on the podcast, too.
2: Yeah, man, i got the, the butler suite here, so they, they do everything but wipe your ass here for you, man. They're absolutely clutch, uh, you know, to escort you to dinner, uh, bring you breakfast on the terrace, all that kind of stuff. But anyway, wow. I was saying to I had to take a break from the drinks, switch back to the familiars, like some beers, some red wine, some rye. So um, <laughs> I, my stomach can only take uh, so many blended cocktails.
1: I can't believe you just said I had to take a break from the drinks and then named three different kinds of drinks. <laughs> oh,
2: i meant like the tropical fruit no drink. i know i know what you meant it just <laughs>
1: sounds great fucking alcoholics yeah. anonymous meeting over here all right man well, now, I've also
2: met, go ahead i met some big time hockey fans down here actually Re- that was yeah i was just
1: about to ask you how's it going down there for hockey have you been able to talk any chalk or has anybody give a fuck
2: oh yeah man I mean, we're gonna get some american listeners coming in there we got some blues fans i've been hanging out with um, Bruins fans, unfortunately, oh, um, not everybody's guy, perfect. diehard Flyers fan, a guy who's like partied with the Flyers and stuff like the back in the Legion of Poon days and stuff <laughs> right, like that. Right
1: on, right very on. Very
2: interesting tales to tell. Um, so some pretty cool dudes. And I actually managed to tune in after dinner to the third period of the Flyers game with this Flyers fan Oh boy! just in time to watch that complete debacle.
1: Oh boy. How do you get so that on? Was- like on your streaming it or something or what?
2: Yeah, just uh, streaming like through my Bell account on uh, on on the TSN Go app. Oh, so, very nice. Um,
1: yeah.
2: But I did I didn't catch a, any of the game, unfortunately, last night. But uh, things aren't uh, you know not going well. I mean, they still got a lot of stuff to figure out, obviously. Right now, uh, I know that there's a lot of tinkering going on with uh, how Keith is trying to implement some new things. He sounds sounds like he's changing absolutely everything, which which I really like to see because I believe that. Um, you know, I, I believe that they're they're trying to adapt and figure out what's best for this group going forward. And, uh, you know, it, even just interestingly enough that, that Anderson asked to play in that back-to-back and Keith allowed him to do so because it, it, it's – I shouldn't say they're desperate right now, but they need wins, right? They can't afford to, you know, make everything ideal necessarily for Anderson because – they're going to have to lean on him, um, and they need to start scoring some goals for him if they're going to win hockey games.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, throw back to that moment where you said it looks like Keith is is changing everything. The, the one thing that he had not changed, uh, which I thought was surprising, to be honest with you, was the first line D pairing of Riley and Cece. I, I thought it was obvious to at least experiment with something else, but you know, I had a lot of people say to me, "Hey, it's it's trade bait." And that makes perfect sense to me, you know, give him give him good minutes and you know, show that he at least is serviceable there. The problem is is we have to be successful in order for that plan to work. But last night Lesko he split it up. So I know you said you didn't catch any of it, but I'm sure you must have saw on Twitter that he did in fact change that pairing and Riley and Barry played together and Barry obviously against his former team. Um again, I I have to apologize for putting you on the spot cuz you didn't see it, but I'm sure you gathered a little bit from social afterwards and you know for me man Riley I I expected Riley to have maybe his game of the season uh, with Barry there and just being able to feel a little bit more comfortable and instead I it was just more of the same Morgan Riley that we've seen so far so yeah I'm excited about the changes I think it's going to take time for it to actually fit into place shout out to my boy Cam who put it to me perfectly and said, listen, it's like a big giant puzzle. All of the pieces are there. They've just been scattered all over the place. Babcock had things that should have been in the bottom right, way up in the top left. And now Keefe is in and you have to reorganize the puzzle in order for it to start falling into place. Once you get one of those mountains done, the rest of the mountains come super easily, you know? So I'm hoping that, you know, that was a good analogy. I think I'm hopeful that that's, Gonna happen, hopefully sooner rather than later, because we can't really afford to be giving away many more points here. Let's go.
2: No, I mean they absolutely need it, and I know they're. I think they're down to a 82 point pace currently, which is obviously not good enough for a playoff spot. Um, And you know what? Like, I don't care about winning the division or or where they are in the standings. I think this team just needs to get there. They need to get there because, as we saw with the St. Louis Blues and countless teams before that you just got to get there and anything can happen in the hockey playoffs, especially if you can get your ass out of the first round. So, and that would obviously be progress alone and uh, maybe leave us with less of a sour taste in our mouths at the end of this season.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I, I feel for you. I mean, I don't feel for you because of where you are and you're having a great time and everything, but you know, from the Leafs uh, standpoint, I feel for you not being able to have a good look at Marner's return because um, I think I, I speak for many Leaf fans, if not most of them, when I say that I thought he was great in his return. Uh, I thought he was hungry. He had a lot of jump, which I thought was really a positive sign following a high ankle sprain, which, you know, any athlete out there knows can be really difficult to come back from, especially in a sport that you play on blades on the ice. Yeah. Um, you know, so he looked really good. He looked a little bit maybe as far as like conditioning wise, and that's probably because he hasn't been able to go, 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 and then, you know, recover and, and have better stamina. So that'll come too. Um, but again, there were times where we saw Matthews Marner, um, and Nylander together, and also Matthews Marner Taveras together at certain points in the game. So, um i'm really excited about that and i do feel badly for you that you were unable to tune in to see mitchy come back because i've been fucking looking forward to to it forever man
2: oh absolutely and and, and he came back a little earlier than expected which i think is a, a testament to his work ethic as well as the uh um you know the medical staff with the maple leafs uh, like you said pointed out uh, it's it's not an easy one to come back from so for him to do that and I have sort of, there was a couple clips that I did manage to watch via Twitter. One of them being uh, a couple of shifts where Nealander, Matthews, and Marner were together, dominating the possession in the offensive zone, which you fully expect them to do. But I also did uh, take the opportunity to watch the Kadri um, tribute, which uh, you know was a little emotional moment for sure. I'm always a sucker for those things, and uh, you know it, it was nice to see the fans welcome him back the way they did because he gave so much to this organization. I know it wasn't necessarily the happiest ending, but uh, you know Naz was a warrior for the Leafs, and he wore wore his heart on his sleeve for this team, and and really put the put the team um, put the team like uh, he was just so passionate. You know what I mean? Yeah. Team first. Team first. And his evolution right? his evolution as a as a, a, a character. You know the fact that they didn't give up on him, and he didn't give up on them either. Right. I mean he was. Went from being, you know, a difficult guy in the doghouse to being, uh, you know, one of the leaders on this team, um, kind of bringing them through that transition. So it was a really nice moment to see, Um, you know, I know the Leafs didn't get the win and everything, but it's something, uh, I guess something positive to pull out of that game.
1: Yeah, for sure. Very, I was just going to say, it was very positive. Um, You know, it was a, it was a very polarizing relationship, Um, both Kadri with the Leafs and Vice versa, both like you said, you know, it was there was good, there was bad, there was tumultuous periods, there were great periods, there were a lot of people that I knew personally that were high on the, you know, we should just trade cadre train, not because he was no good or anything, but it just seemed to follow him a lot, didn't it? Like every time like he was here for a really long time. So every time someone started talking about Kadri, oftentimes it was, oh, we should trade him, Always good trade bait, et cetera, et cetera. It always seemed to follow him as it does for many players throughout their career. So obviously wish Kadri the best out in Colorado and hope, you know, the rest of his career unfolds nicely and he doesn't end up bouncing around to, you know, 10 and 12 different organizations. I think he is a guy that wants to stick around. He's a homebody, isn't he? Like he gets a girlfriend, he wants to marry her right away.
2: (laughs) He seems like a, you know, just a solid guy in the room as well. I read a good piece by uh, Jonas Siegel in The Athletic yesterday, just kind of running through the history of his tenure with the Maple Leafs and uh, with a lot of fantastic quotes from, from lifelong friends on, that are still a part of the Maple Leafs. And, you know, just one of those guys in the room that you love to have around. And I'm sure uh, I'm sure the boys got together and had a good time, uh, you know, maybe after the game or the night
1: before, hopefully did you see that um nathan mckinnon like ran through the tunnels barefoot just to see tyson barry did you catch that on twitter i thought that was no pretty i fine. did catch that <laughs> yeah it's like it's not a video or anything but it's just like him with a huge smile on his face no socks on like everyone else is like fully bundled up from coming from outside so he like i guess yeah. barry shot him a text and said hey man we're walking in right now or whatever and he like ran over to see him and it's, it, it, it is, it's, yeah, it is a real brother brotherhood, right? I mean, you're, you're not friends on the ice, but I don't necessarily know if you should go as far as to say enemies. You're just opponents. You know, you don't, your opponent doesn't have to be your enemy. Um, you know, so they become opponents when the puck is down, but, even just before the face off, they're looking at each other and they're smiling and this and that, and then there's a shot to the ribs. <laughs> like
2: immediately yeah, exactly. So a couple of jabs, you know, yeah poking them, poking them around a little bit.
1: So, yeah, exactly. Yeah,
2: really cool moment to see and uh, you know, like I said, nice to pick a little positive story out of what otherwise you would say is a negative. I mean, one of the other positives I would have pulled out of the last couple of games is the performance of Frederick Anderson, certainly giving his team the opportunity to win. Um, I, I know that it was ugly and a little embarrassing at the end of that Flyers game, but uh there's a lesson there for the team as well. And and I thought Matthews kind of said it nicely, um, you know, just saying that we quit and it's not good enough. Because and again, like you said, friend, these guys are friends. They're not just teammates here. Like and we know that Anderson's no stranger to calling out the boys when it needs to be done. So hopefully they can be a little better in front of him. I know I was a little bit ticked off at Matthews doing he, on that Giroux goal where he just, I mean, he could have had a stick in the lane. He could have done something, and he was puck watching him floating, which I know he often does in the defensive zone. So there's there's a lot of work to be done there um, with Matthews, especially because he's going to be faced up against top competition. Yeah, and, uh, and he's not he's – like, much like the Leafs, it's an interesting analogy. It's, you know, outscore your problems, they always say, to describe the Maple Leafs. Matthews is one of those guys can do it, but he had just – he needs to be better without the puck. It's just, it's, it's the reality of being a top centerman in the NHL.
1: Yeah. But here's the thing. I'll, I'll, I'll just give you a slight jab there because he is amazing without the puck, but only in the offensive zone.
2: Right. When he's, when he's hungry for the, when puck he's hungry, to, give to, me to, it so I, just, I can shoot yeah, it in the net.
1: Yeah. 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 Versus but like, he just that... sorry, he just needs to learn that. Like, I don't know this, key, this key thing about possession, I think is a really good thing because it should lead to a more hungry Matthews, all over the fucking ice because he needs right. to realize that I can, I can stick lift and steal the puck just as effectively as I can in the defensive zone. Probably even better. Let's go, because let's be honest here when you're trying to stick check a defenseman or a forward playing defense in the defensive, like in their defensive zone, they are just trying to get this puck out versus if they're in the offensive zone, they're just trying to look for a play. So I feel like Matthews could be even more effective reading the play and saying, nope, I'm going to take that on you, just like I took it from you when we were in your zone. But he's not hungry enough to do it in the defensive zone, but he needs to learn, hey, if I can get this puck back, we have possession, and we can score goals with possession. It seems strange that such an elite star in the league hasn't really picked up on that fact yet.
2: Yeah, and I think we mentioned it before as well. You have guys like this who, you know, they never had to play defense growing up, right? I mean, yeah, they were so true. elite. They had the puck more than they didn't. And I think that's just part of the evolution we're going to see with Matthews and obviously a a point of their game. They're going to work on, um, kind of speaking, going back to the coaching discussion, there is just what a crazy couple of weeks in the NHL. It's kind of a tough time for us to miss an episode because there was just so many, so much burning and just an avalanche of news coming out, um, left, right and center. And, and there's been a lot of talk about hockey culture and different coaches and coaching methods. Um, I'm here for it, to be honest, man. Like, there's there's a shift coming. It's it's a long time coming, I think, too. Uh, You know, it there's a really good analogy. Actually, my wife and I had a fantastic conversation about this the other day. She's a social worker, right? Okay. And she talked about how this is, it's like a societal shift that's been going on for a long time, and it's finally reached hockey, right? Coaching by building people up not instead of tearing them down and being negative and focusing on the negative. And I think that's where you see this representation with Babcock just being a a reflection of the old way of doing things. Whereas Keefe is, is a a big reflection of that shift cultural, not not just in hockey, but in the, in our society in general.
1: Yeah, it's true. I mean, I I really liked the point. I'm glad you, you, you put it up there in, in the prep because I was able to think on it as well. And, she makes a great point, Haley does, and in the sense that we're not we're not focusing on negatives anymore. That used to be the way. Okay, here's what you're doing wrong. Like they might say, you know, you're doing well in this area, but we need you to improve on this area. But the focus was more on what you needed to improve on, versus right. maximizing your ability.
2: There's one thing to be a hard ass. I don't have a problem with a coach that's a hard ass and is, uh, but you, you can't you can't be a dick. I mean, I don't care what you're doing. In, in, especially, we're talking about a workplace here. Like, think about how you respond to a boss that talks down, it looks down to you and, and talks down to you all the time, as opposed to somebody who is, is looking to reinforce, you know, the positives and what you contribute to an organization.
1: And overall, Lesko, wouldn't that ultimately, and again, regardless of what work environment we're speaking of here, whether it be sports or otherwise, would that not, you know, make you want to perform better in all aspects, therefore improving some things that you could use improvement in.
2: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think there's, there's such a really, there's going to be a bigger focus on the relationship. Okay. Because we're talking about a team here, right? A team, a team is supposed to be on the same page you know, a team is supposed to be able to, to gel. And I don't care if you're the coach or the assistant coach or the trainer or whatever, But you guys are spending a lot of time together. And if you're not getting along, that's not conducive to strong performance.
1: Yeah. And, you know, I I hate to bring up certain, uh, for lack of a better word, like trigger words, if you will. But it's got to be a safe place. I mean, we can't have these players that we, you know, let's talk about it at a pro level. We can't have these players coming in that we are paying handsome dollars to you know perform for us we can't have them coming into the arena uh, like afraid or or not i don't know what word i'm looking for just apprehensive about going yeah they're uncomfortable with going to the arena why is that a thing and it's a thing starting as early as what like 15 16 it sounds like you know where you're into these high level triple a programs where Everyone is good. Everyone thinks they're going to the show. Everyone's parents and uncles and grandparents expect them to go to the show. I mean, it's a real—I don't think it's a safe environment. I—that I, goes for both players, coaches, and officials. You know what I mean? Like no one's no one's safe from anything uh, in the sport of hockey, and we take it so fucking seriously. I think sometimes it really goes overboard, and we're finally beginning to learn. A, a little bit about the details of how overboard it can go.
2: Yeah. And I mean, the Babcock Marner story is just, it's just insane. And we talk about poor judgment on Babcock's behalf. Like what in his brain, how did he concoct this idea that this was going to be a way to motivate what Marner or, or the veterans that Marner had identified. It's just an, an asinine idea. And for, for a guy just coming into the league, like, Talk about making a player uncomfortable and upsetting a player. And, I, you know, it's an interesting piece of information to get now because you gotta, you got to think that contributed to part of the reason why Marner wanted to take the Leafs to the woodshed during contract negotiations. Oh, 100%. Because it's like, if i got to play for this guy for another four fucking years and deal with his bullshit... I've got, I, you know, I got to be well compensated for it. I mean, we're luckily, we're lucky, he didn't say, you know what? I, I want to fuck out of here. He and he did it, though. It, went, it was so bad that his dad didn't even go on the uh, on the dad's trip.
1: Well, it did, it did get bad enough that he allegedly wanted out. Apparently, well, I, someone, it was Drager, maybe take it as it will, but like someone tweeted out the fact that it was it was a factor in 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 negotiations. He wanted out. And his and his agent had to talk him off the ledge. We all fucking hate Darren Ferris. Lee fans just can't yeah, no. stand the guy. Now we love him because he talked like our we boy owe off him of the ledge. Of <laughs> yeah, I think so. And it's called the Bab Tax hashtag Bab yeah. Tax because we got Bab we got taxed because of Babcock on all three of our guys. That Dubas said we can and we will. He could and he did, but he nearly couldn't and didn't because we couldn't figure
2: it out price tag was a little higher than advertised that's for sure oh man
1: like Um, i've been saying it to to multiple people over the last little while i I think i think it comes down to the fact that shanahan was the one that wouldn't Cut the fucking cord, okay? I, I, feel like right. it's, I feel like it's obvious knowledge. I mean, we'll never know, I, whatever. But I feel like it's obvious knowledge that Dubas wanted Sheldon to come in. Like, he should have been here from fucking training camp. I don't think we'd be here. We'd have systems. We'd have players. We'd have everything would be good. We, have, we would have had injuries. Fine. Our guys would come up. We'd still be okay. But as a result, we've dug ourselves into this hole, and now we play the cup champs on Saturday. And I don't really know how I feel about it. I'm excited. I'm excited to watch all these games, like I said last episode when we made the change. But I'm nervous. Like we don't have really any time to fucking waste here, man. We have to win like over thirty thirty-one or thirty-one of our fifty-two remaining games or something like that to get to a playoff pace. That's really impressive, dude. I don't know about that.
2: Yeah, it's it's certainly scary. And and, and Sheldon Keefe has just a uh, you know, quite the mountain to climb to to come here and and implement this stuff on the fly so it, it's really going to be an interesting um next couple of games just to see how they bounce back from the shitty road trip or sorry the, the shitty back-to-back they just had um taking it back to babcock for a second though the the franzen story that chelio shared on Chicklets is another example of this insanity by babcock and it's it's straight bullying and you got to figure out what it's called and to the point where, you know, and friends, and this guy who's dealing with post-concussion and concussions. I know we know a lot more now than we did about those injuries and their effect on the brain and depression and everything like that. Right. But you know, and friends, and allegedly had a straight-up mental breakdown in 2011. And it's, it's you know, talk about talk about building guys up, you know, as opposed to tearing them down. And and I believe every bit of that story because it's been well documented and it's like common knowledge that babcock doesn't like guys who are injured and it's a weird thing to say and a weird thing to do but the way he treats injured players is horrible
1: the way he treats a lot of players is horrible but but i see what you mean he he puts an emphasis on guys that are unable to play for him i mean how unfair is that i don't i don't really understand um like you're talking about a guy that's what laid up with a with a a dislocated shoulder or something, and can't play. And once he's ready to go, Babs doesn't like him anymore. Like, what's like, what's the well,
2: deal? And it's it's interesting too with the concussion. It's you know the silent injury or the invisible injury. um You know, oftentimes guys were coming back when they probably shouldn't have, and we kind of know that now. But at the time, you know, it, they they basically thinking that, oh yeah, well, what's wrong with you? Like, what's wrong with you? What are you doing? And then in the way that Babcock handled these situations in such a negative manner, um, obviously triggered, you know, pretty much the end of Eon Franz's career. I know it's obviously because of concussions, but talk about a guy who who wore his heart on the sleeve for that organization. who was a beast for that organization in in their playoff runs when that team was, uh, you know, on the tail end of the Detroit dynasty.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, they didn't call him the mule for nothing, right? That's right. Um, that chicklets, uh, interview with Chelios, if our listeners haven't uh, consumed that, I would highly recommend to do so. Um, you know, it's interesting, Lesko, because right away with the Akeem Aliu, of course, and Bill Peters issue, um, Daniel Carcillo has been a lot more vocal here about this in, in the coming, uh, we in the last week or so, especially a lot of people were, immediately saying well you know it's all these younger generation of players like nobody you know back in the day yeah they're soft like the older players they knew that this was the way and it's just like man oh man i again i hate using these trigger terms but fucking boomer out of here you know what i mean like it's just yeah. a total boomer thing like to 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 say all those things, well that's just the way it is and all that it doesn't need to be that way and when you have a guy like chris chelios i guess my point Lesko, go was that he was super comfortable and just having the conversation it's not like he was ratting anybody out or you know snitching on something or whatever he was just telling the truth and what's there's no problem in doing that i thought the interview was was really top-notch he didn't really you know, hold much back and he didn't really go overboard. He didn't pull a Mike Commodore or anything like that, but he did reference Commodore and didn't back him up necessarily, but kind of said that he understands where he's coming from. And I just thought all, all around, it was a really open and honest uh, top shelf interview with the boys on chicklets. Yeah,
2: I'm quite interested as well to see how the LU uh, story evolves. Um, I know that he met with the NHL NPA PA uh, as recently, I believe as last week. And apparently, what the discussion was about was establishing a code of conduct for the NHL, which I'm shocked they don't have. And I was like, "Really? That's not a thing." So uh, to talk about a positive development that has um, come—that's come from um, all these negative stories that have come to light about players being mistreated—and um, you know, the the Aliyu s- story is not surprising to me. I mean, I I played hockey and played for. You know, we we know we've talked about this before. It's predominantly white sport, um, and and in statements where we've heard it from Wayne Simmons and a couple other players of color, um, basically saying that yeah, this is this is well known, you know, open secret so to speak that they've all done dealt with that at multiple levels throughout their career, and not just that, but the the Bill Peters kicking guys and punching guys, and then the players going to management and it falling on deaf ears like talk about Rod Francis being on the hot seat before Seattle's even had an inaugural season.
1: Oh, man. Tell me about it. Like, and uh,
2: and to, to go to another GM, Kenny Holland spoke to the media yesterday and looked like a deer in the fucking headlights.
1: Oh, yeah. Basically
2: acted as if, all oh, it wasn't a big deal and, you know, everything was fine and players were mad about ice time. Now, I don't think they were pissed off about ice time. They might have <laughs> been, but there was more to it than that. And it just sounds like, you know, that these players, these coaches are their guys, so anything the players are going to say, you know, going around, say um, over Babcock's head, uh, this this idea of hierarchy in hockey um, has kind of sheltered these guys, I think, from from repercussions from accountability.
1: Yeah, no doubt. And you know, just to clarify, I guess my own personal opinion on the Babcock stories uh, specifically. Like, I do feel like while they may have been an important domino that fell, I don't think that they're really like, I don't think it's fair to place them in the same category. Like, I just think Babcock is, let's say, uh, just a really, really rough and tough kind of boss, you know? And yeah, he's old school. Yeah. and, and, And if you had an entire, if you had a big company, with you know lots of people in it, and Babcock would do really well with half of them, and not well with the other half. But it's all about your your productivity. It's all about how much you sell or how much you win, you know. And in his cases, he was he was successful. So it does fall on deaf ears because of success. But you do have to have that ability when you're in the higher ups, like ownership and president of operations, et cetera, et cetera. You have to be able to cut that tension, cut it with a knife, you know, and say, okay, on I have to separate this coach from this team because of what he's doing to the players. Oh, but we're winning. Like you need to be able to, to handle both of those, both of those abilities as a general manager or an owner.
2: That's right. I mean, I know it's such a results or, or results oriented business, but I mean, if your guys aren't happy, it, it, I, I truly believe that there's another, another level to be achieved. And, and, Everyone says, "Like, oh well, the, look how good the Leafs did over the last couple of years with Babcock. How bad could it really have been? Well, how much better could it have been if it was more of a positive work environment?"
1: Yeah, no doubt. Maybe yeah, it,
2: it definitely leaves leaves you wondering. That's for sure. And uh, and as we as this story continues to evolve, of, of uh, you know about these coaches and, and some of the things that gone on in the dressing rooms throughout the NHL, throughout the minor leagues. Um, it, 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 like I said, it leaves more to be desired, and and I think this this is overdue. It's definitely a long time coming, and like I said, I'm here for it. So um, it, it's definitely interesting to watch, and um, you know, I, I really got to give credit to these guys like Castillo, Aliu, and and um, you know even even Marner and guys who have dealt with bullshit from coaches and are finally kind of saying, you know, we're we're sick of this kind of shit and you know we're not going to stand for it anymore
1: yeah and you know it's it's really trickling down to lasco because i'm not sure if you'd heard recently but uh the swift current broncos fired their trainer um their longtime trainer jamie leblanc uh they fired him for threatening behavior and unprofessional conduct he also doubled as the team's equipment manager so um you know that maybe not like the most breaking news you've ever heard, but it's very relatable to the situation, obviously. So teams out there are probably asking internal questions, right? Um, Listen, before we find out about something from a player or a former player, uh, why don't you guys all uh, step forward and let us know if you think you've ever done anything that crossed the line. And we're, we're talking about, you know, flying off the handle and yelling at a player and calling him a pussy and you know saying stupid things like he should have whatever you know dad should have fucking pulled out on you or whatever you know like stupid things like that like things that can upset the players and i guess what i'm kind of getting at here Lesko, is where where do you draw the line you know like because let's be honest i mean sports they carry with it some moments where you need to have your ass handed to you do they not Like we can't, we can't take that away. We can't take that away from sports.
2: Absolutely. But there, there's definitely, there definitely is a line between, like I said, being a hard ass and being a dick, Yeah. right? Like you can, you can criticize a player, you can criticize anybody without tearing them down and insulting them.
1: Attacking them personally. There's a way
2: to do it. And I understand sports get heated and there's tempers and emotions, but especially if you're unwilling to mend fences, like. I don't have a problem with guys getting second chances, you know, especially if they apologize. And I thought it was kind of fucked up that it's pretty clear that Babcock, you know, he said he had apologized at the time, but did not feel the need to apologize when he had responded. Um, I know he sent a tweet out or sorry, not sent a tweet, sent a text uh, to Darren Dreger and to respond to this story. Um, sounds like he might be a guy who wants to stay out of the spotlight for a little while, but you know, I have a problem with another team bringing him in but just know what you're getting and hope that he can change for the better.
1: Yeah. But what about Bill Peters? I mean, that's, I was going to ask you that question.
2: He's hot garbage. I don't think he's ever coming back. I think that's the end of Bill Peters. Yeah. So, okay. Uh, So you were from the apology,
1: sorry, from the apology, you were talking specifically about a guy like Babs, like something where you just, Uh, you just crossed the line a little bit and broke the trust of your players, not, you know, dropping fucking N bombs on them and, you know, kicking yeah, them and exactly. physically abusing them and shit like that. Like Peters has got to be toast.
2: Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think that's the last we're going to see of Bill Peters, especially with this um, clearly still unresolved issues in Carolina. A number of players have come out and, and told some stories and basically saying he's the worst human being they've ever met, which blows my mind because, I mean, how do you make it to hockey's highest level like this? i has been coaching for whatever, like 20, 30 years. Um, I, I do really... I really like that uh, Al, you did this, and I know some people were like, well, why did he say this 10 years ago? Well, uh, he tried to take a stand against Hazing back in junior, and how did that go for him? You know, he got his, his uh, teeth knocked out by his own fucking teammate, Steve and Downey. then shit fought Steve Downey in practice, and yeah. then subsequently traded. Um, you know, he him and a couple of uh, players went after Bill Peters, you know, tried to meet with him, and Men defenses, and what happens to him? he gets demoted to the East Coast League and traded yeah so uh, there's a really good article I wanted to point out uh, by Gary Joyce uh one of those sports big reads where he talks about the U story and kind of traces over his career and how you know him being vocal about the issue of hazing kind of resulted in him becoming like a um, a black sheep you know like uh, yeah black sheep like. Uh, which sounds like a terrible analogy, but a pariah somewhat in the NHL or in the OHL and the AHL. Um, and it just goes to show you why these guys are, are, are a little apprehensive about bringing up these these issues that they have because the, the the culture, like you said, has been bred to be, oh, suck it up, suck it up. This is the yeah. way it is. This is how the sport is. Like, it doesn't have to be. It, doesn't, so it shouldn't I be, like yeah. That, yeah, I like that there's being um, – you know, we're getting finally some positive steps coming from this. I think.
1: Yeah, black sheep probably not the most politically correct term to be using uh, in light of everything yeah, that's going on. For that, yeah, there, we're me? getting <laughs> we're getting fucking shut down. Um, yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, listen. on to, uh, on to a little more, uh, maybe a little bit of a, a lighter uh, event here. The Mark Borietsky story out in Vancouver. Did you catch uh, wind of this? Did you know what's going on? And uh, what are your thoughts?
2: Yeah, so uh, let, I guess go over it because I didn't really have a chance okay. to read it. I just All right.
1: got a little a <clears throat> tidbit from some leads. So, so Borietsky basically, then I'm sure as you know, he foiled a robbery attempt in Vancouver uh, before the game against the Senators. I believe it was the day before the game. Uh, he's walking around downtown and sees a shady-looking guy walking his bicycle down the sidewalk and kind of keeps an eye on him, and boom, Buddy breaks the window in this uh, Chevy Impala, grabs a purse and Boro is like, yo, drop the purse, bud. Like, you know, let it go. The guy yells at him, fuck off, go away, leave me alone. And then he gets on his bike and starts pedaling directly at Boroetsky, which is my first question, by the way. And as he's coming at him, Boro apparently, well, I shouldn't say apparently he said, he's got baby supplies in a bag in his left hand and clotheslines the guy like fucking big daddy. Like From Big Daddy, (laughs) clotheslines the guy off of his bicycle, grabs the bag. Buddy flees the scene. Boro sticks around, gives the bag back to the car owner, waits for police. Best part of the story, maybe, or worst part, because it's a Leaf fan. The fucking Leaf fan goes, oh, yeah, I'm a Leaf fan. Like, because you know, she 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 said, "Oh yeah," I'm, uh, or he said, "I'm Mark Boryetsky, You know, whatever I play for the centers, and she goes, "Oh, she's I'm actually a huge leaf fan." Like, who cares? <laughs> Why are you gotta say that? Who cares?
2: Yeah, I, I like that. Uh, really living up to the Borough Cop nickname, right? And that guy's <laughs> such a beauty. He's, he's a hell of a story. You know, if if I think um, uh, I believe it's Haley Salvian who covers the. Ottawa Centers for The Athletic wrote a, a pretty interesting story, like the origin story of Boriakri. So if you're a subscriber of The Athletic, I highly recommend checking out that article because he's just a, uh,
0: he's a character
2: for sure.
1: Guess who's a subscriber of The Athletic now?
2: Oh, did you get sold on it or what? Yeah,
1: I fucking bought it. Yeah,
2: one of those 40% off deals, Black Friday Bundaroo.
1: Yeah, whatever it was. They're always on, it's always on a deal. I got some deal. Yeah, yeah fucking signed Attaboy. up for it i guess it's just good for i don't know it's good for late nights and shitter reads i guess
2: stepping up your content game man. You're, <laughs> gonna be, you're gonna be a wealth of knowledge yeah now.
1: but now i'm gonna have to be like oh you know according to ian Tulloch from the athletic <laughs> like, and then <laughs> no one no one has no one has subscriptions they're cheap like well, me you have to
2: you have to cite, cite your sources because those guys have way more credibility than us
1: right yeah you're right you're right about that <laughs> Uh, yeah. So anyway, the best part was definitely the fact that th- this guy's already called Boro Cop. Like he had Boro Cop before he was doing cop like things. So I think that's really yeah. awesome. Yeah. Um, what and talk we- about the wrong
2: guy to run into if you're uh, if you're trying to rob somebody. Yeah. You and know what? Clotheslined by Boro. <laughs> that man. That that had to hurt.
1: So I was saying to someone at uh, hockey on Tuesday, like I know Borietsky is like a. Like a a tough guy in the n h l but he's only like six one I think I read in the article that I read about the incident. He's like he's like six one, two, fifteen, or something like that, so I don't necessarily think that he's like the most intimidating looking human that you would see out there, right, so the guy on the bike. It's probably like, well, I can just fucking bike right past this guy, you know, but then turns out, no, you can't because he's Mark <laughs> Boryansky and he's a fucking man of steel. You know what I mean? Like yeah. if, if he was like a huge big guy, you know, like some Nikita Zadorov, like I'm probably not going to bike my bike bicycle with the fucking stolen backpack in the direction of six foot five Nikita Zadorov. He's going to kill me but maybe this yeah, guy like i'll drive by yeah and like right, Borietsky's right probably got side. a little toque on or so he probably doesn't look very intimidating uh, you know no yeah, offense to him
2: gyps, though you can probably tell he's a hockey player
1: <laughs> yeah yeah no kidding but like carrying some baby supplies you're like this fucking stay at home dad i'm gonna run him right over <laughs> <laughs> and then get owned. i hope
2: there's footage of that like i would i would kill for, to see like some like storefront security or if there's like a street cam or somebody can dig that up yeah come on cctv get on it yeah come up big for us internet somebody dig that shit up (laughs) internet
1: (laughs) oh nice All right, buddy. Well, uh, what do we, uh, do I have you for a little more time? What do we got here? You got, you want to get back to it? What do you got? you got something else? Hit me with something. Well, I thought I kind of wanted to ask you about the Calgary arena deal. It it only got done today. I don't know if you knew anything about it. I do have lots of details. It's just, you're a political guy and this really, uh, you know, strikes. This riles me up. Yeah, I think it does maybe a little bit. Right. So did you know what happened? Do you know any of the details? I
2: did have a chance to kind of skim over it, and I, you know, it's well documented. My opinions on this, as we talked about it previously, kind of when this shit was going on, the negotiations between them and the city. But uh, you know, it's been clearly proven by several economic studies that there is no true benefit to the to the cities, municipalities, wherever they may be, to put up money into these arena deals. So you know, I, I'm not a fan of it. I understand that it's such a catch 22 because you're, you know, you're a politician, you want to be reelected and, and, you know, Nancy being the mayor of Calgary, this is a guy who probably would withstood a tough negotiation. And it was pretty tough and the flames were coming at him hard going so far as to supporting the opposing candidate in the election. But you have to straddle that line as a politician because yeah, you got to be prudent with your city's money, but what, what, you know, What an easy way to piss off a lot of people and potentially your own supporters if you're getting in a fight with your team's beloved hockey team.
1: Yeah, but like, forgive. Yeah, forgive me if you know we're hashing it up, but I feel it's an okay time to do it, Lesko, because it's done now. Like, we it's no more speculation. Here's the here's the final details. I'll give them to the listeners just briefly. So, uh, Calgary Sports and Entertainment Company, for um, to be known uh, as CSEC. Uh, and the city of Calgary and the Calgary Stampede. So they get together, the three different, uh, whatever you want to call them, entities get together to build a new arena. It'll be 19,000 seats. It'll begin in 2021. It's $550 million. And the term, the lease term for the Flames is 35 years, where they cannot relocate within that 35-year term. And lastly, the Flames get majority, keyword there, they didn't define it, Flames get majority of revenue from every event at the new arena. The city will earn a facility fee by taking 2% of the ticket revenues from all events, which is capped at $3 million per year in the first five years. So like you said, it was a very detailed negotiation, probably a difficult one, Uh, But with all those details, Lesko, my question to you is, why is it not, like, how is it a bad thing for the city? Why would it be bad for the city to get this done, considering the events that you can have at that arena, 365, it's not just a hockey arena, it's going to be a state-of-the-art thing. I just want, like, how, you know, I guess because you're a taxpayer, maybe, like, Give me some light on that. Why is that a bad thing if you're a, a resident of California? It's
2: really just return on investment, right? And it looks like they've left this open-ended a little bit by, like I said, cap three million a year over the first five. So that sounds like something that's going to be renegotiated based on the revenues over that period of time. But you know, it's it's definitely a good, a good thing in the aspect that, like you said, you have the state that our facility, multiple uses, um, lots of opportunity there. But it's just as a use of taxpayer dollars as far as return on investment goes. And it's been, like I said, well documented, several studies that the economic benefit is something that the, the teams and the leagues definitely oversell. Um, it, there's not as much uh, trickle down and, and uh, development uh, that's really spurred by this. Um, the, the level of economic activity pretty much already exists in the city of Calgary. Um, it's just, it just hasn't been consolidated. Now, there is one thing I should point out that is different about the uh, the arena situation in Calgary, is that they were missing out on a lot of big-name uh, concerts, events, because they didn't have the the pro- appropriate facility um, in comparison to, say, Rogers Arena over in Edmonton. So they were missing out on a lot of different things, a lot of different uh, big country music artists and, and things like that. So. There is um that's definitely a positive as far as getting something that you didn't have before,
1: yeah, no doubt I mean, I don't know exactly how far they are away from each other, but I know it's it's close enough that you would go to a big concert there, like if your well, favorite you know performing artist was was going to be there, you're okay with with driving there. Sure, you're like, man, I wish they'd come here, but then you're like, why would they come here when they have a brand-new facility in Edmonton? So it's obvious. It's not like it's, you know, anything, no hard feelings against anyone. It's just obvious that we're not going to stop here. We're going to stop over there. So, yeah, you're losing a lot of that big draw. Obviously, I'm not super familiar with the Calgary Stampede, but I'm assuming that, you know, they'll be having a lot of their, uh, what, like, their events and stuff will be probably held there as well i I'm, I'm assuming at the arena
2: yeah yeah, it sounds like that they're going to be able to uh just kind of accommodate a lot more different events uh utilizing the arena entertainment center, and you know these these places are uh you know i can't wait to see the pl- the plans look like because I think like that's always co- kind of interesting from like an architectural standpoint, yeah, and also from just what what they they pack into these things now, right? Like it's it's always, like you said, a package deal, multi-use facilities. Um, And if you're the city as well, you want as many revenue streams as possible. And obviously from the business standpoint for the Stampede and the Calgary Flames organization, um, as many revenue streams that you can get built into this deal, uh, the better it is from a business standpoint. And obviously for the city of Calgary, because there is some money to be made, uh, you know, in perpetuity i think probably the most positive clause if you're a fan is the fact that the team can't relocate for 35 years that's some assurances that's some comfort because we've seen it in the nfl They pony up for these big stadiums of 15 years later 20 years later the team just opts to move because the city won't pay for another one yeah or say the city's economic situation is is different i mean calgary is a good example of this is a place that's you know, because of the low price of oil um, and and kind of uh, a hold on a lot of uh, investment from oil companies there, it's there's a in a bit of a downturn over there. So it's 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 a, a tense time to be ponying up a lot of money in a city where uh, money has become such a major issue, both politically and from a business perspective.
1: Yeah, and and you mentioned a, a tentative moment for everyone in that regard. It's obviously a tentative moment for Flames fans in general. Um, as they are only 13, 12, and 4 through 29 games. Let's go on on a minor heater, I guess, won their last two games. But, um, you know, the team has not been performing well. And amidst the Bill Peters uh, allegations and his resignation, you know, it obviously is a difficult time in Calgary. I can't help but imagine that this is just some good positive news, if not even for the players, to be looking forward to, having a new arena to come to and train at and you know everything's going to be brand new. Oh, look at this, it recognizes my face or you know whatever, those cool things in the dressing room and stuff like that. Like that's exciting um uh, but maybe not for all of them Lesko cuz who knows what players might be gone. Uh but as early as this trade deadline because Calgary is in a bit of a world of hurt. Um I know you've only been gone for a, a, you know a couple days there Lesko. Just let me know uh what are you thinking about the Calgary Flames? I mean, we haven't really talked about them a whole lot. Uh, but at this point in time, in their recent downturn, I mean, they're trying to get Goudreau going. They're trying to get Monaghan going. They're splitting up their lines. It's, uh, I don't know what to expect for the Flames, just one year after winning the Western Conference.
2: Yeah, you know, it's it's one of those teams that, you know, much like the Maple Leafs, you could say as well, that this team is clearly better on paper than, than what they're producing. And I know they've gone through a tough time and a bit of turmoil with the coach. And kinda of to go back not to pile on Billy Peters here again, but this guy could have been fought, fired on merit alone by the sounds of things. I mean, Gaudreau is playing on the friggin' third line. I mean, you've gotta get that guy going. I mean, he is the engine of that hockey team. Um, and, and so is guys like Giordano and everything, but uh, just things haven't been going well for them. So I, I you know, I, I wouldn't, you know, give up at them at this, give up on them at this point, but If they don't pick it up, I mean, they're certainly not catching Edmonton, I'll tell you that much.
1: Yeah, no doubt. I mean, obviously, uh, Edmonton with a recent loss to the surprising Ottawa Senators last night. But uh, yeah, I mean, the standings are almost flipped a little bit, you know, like who expected teams like Edmonton and Arizona to be, you know, uh, at times they're one and two uh, in the division and have, you know, teams like uh, Tampa Bay, Nashville, like other teams are not necessarily doing as well as San Jose is a good one too. Um, you know, it's almost like it's flipped. We're only a third of the way done the season. So it's not over by any stretch of the imagination, but if you're certain teams in this league, Toronto Maple Leafs, you got to be a little bit, uh, concerned that, you know, time isn't running out, but you can't be wasting it anymore. That's
2: right. And when you have so much invested, in this hockey team, I mean, you no, know, without a doubt, I would assume that Calgary Flames fans, the organization, uh, you know, had very high expectations going into this season, but they've definitely got to get the most out of their big guns. And it, so far, it hasn't been like that. So until they can find a way to get those guys going, um, I think they remain on the outside looking in.
1: Well, speaking of getting guys going, dude, uh, I don't want to hang on to you for any longer here. I know you're uh, <clears throat> probably chomping at the bit to get back to your drinks or your beers or your red wine or rye or whatever the fuck you want to get drinking. But yeah, my uh, drinks almost empty. <laughs> <laughs> no more time for pod rise Oh, speaking of pod rise, uh I won't. Uh, I'll leave you sit on it for the week. But I got a. I got a nice present for you here. Uh, we got. Oh. Uh, yeah, we actually got some presents, uh, delivered to us, uh, you know, to you and I for the podcast. So I'm excited for you to see those. Um, what I was, what I was disappointed in Lesko go was that you weren't able to see the result of my thumb, uh, from last, right. from last week. Uh, so, I tweeted it out one of our listeners was asking why we can't record the pod right and there I am sitting in the hospital I thought well I might as well let him know why <laughs> so take a picture of the bloody the bloody paper towel over my thumb and say yeah maybe a little bit later than we anticipated and of course with you going on vacation that left us no time uh to actually yeah. to actually get it done but yeah dude uh went running around the bed and was running into the podcast area just kind of like having a goofy time getting my dog riled up Archie was having a great time and then he jumped across my bed to to cut me off and he hip checked me with my huge glass with a handle on it of water and I went fucking head over heels and smashed into the nightstand and absolutely absolutely ripped my thumb with the with the glass. So it was like, the broken glass. yeah, well the handle, my sister-in-law was here and she was like sitting on the chair, uh, up in the room. She was helping Kirsty reorganize the closet or some sort of girly thing. And she's like, I had the perfect view of that. Like, she's like, if I would have had that in slow motion, it would have been amazing. Cause she's like, you went from being the happiest guy ever to like, Oh my God, <laughs> like smash hospital. Let's go. So, bit of an event Man,
2: is getting thick. that guy's got some low center of gravity like
1: <laughs> <laughs> he loves to hang out in the podcast room though he's yeah i, I think he was looking for you earlier i think he knows like, oh yeah yeah i think he knows what's going on like but he still doesn't like to fucking shut his mouth while he's in here he's always dropping his goddamn bone all over the place and making noise but yeah trying to lick my face while i'm trying to talk <laughs> <laughs> perfect all right buddy well listen uh Enjoy the rest of your vacation. When are you back in town, my man?
2: I'll be flying in on Saturday. So hopefully, uh, uh, I think it's going to be, end up being later in the evening when we touch down in uh, Toronto and Ottawa eventually and then uh, heading back to town from there. And I got one day to get my life back together and put my big boy pants back on and head on back down to the
1: office. Right on, buddy. Well, listen, maybe uh, I'm looking forward to having you in the studio uh, next week it's it seems weird i i'm i feel weird like just sitting here alone talking into the mic i mean i'm not alone because so you're prime. on with me but it's weird
2: <laughs> it's the only time you talk to yourself or it seems like you're talking to yourself
1: <laughs> i don't know if i'd go that far but sure yeah let's go with that but uh yeah it's, it's too it's too bad you're not around to, to to be on with jake too too bad yeah absolutely
2: but, that's uh that's a prime time guest there uh so um you know thanks very much to jake han for stepping up and filling in for me and then uh being a part of the show and i'm looking forward to hearing it buddy so good luck with the interview
1: yeah thanks a lot buddy for sure and i i know uh it won't be the first or it won't be the last time that we have jake on he was uh he was actually really excited about about uh getting the invite to come on which surprised me in a nice way so um but yeah we'll definitely uh catch you when you're back brother and let me know maybe uh maybe a wednesday or thursday recording we'll get back to our weekly schedule next week
2: Absolutely. Thanks very much for calling, and we'll talk to you soon.
1: See you, buddy. All right. So, that's Adam Lesko, of course, co host of the Pucks and D podcast and drinker of alcohol as we speak down in the Bahamas. So, uh, I think what I'm going to do now is take a quick five minute break or so. And uh, it looks like Jake is shooting me a message. I think he might be ready to go. So, we will uh, get this interview teed up with Jake Khan when we come back here on the Pucks in Deep podcast. All right, so we're back here on the Pucks in Deep podcast and I got a great uh, esteemed member of the hockey media on the show, pleased to welcome for the first time, and I guess it's been a long time coming, Mr. Jake Hahn, a host, utility man of sorts, maybe they would call him, down at Sirius XM NHL Network Radio, Channel 91. Jake, I got to tell you, buddy, my dial is permanently fixated to Channel 91, specifically between the hours of 1 and 3, and I hate to pump your tires here and sound like a real groupie, but I absolutely love what you and Jim Boomer Gordon bring to the table uh, across my radio wave every afternoon from one to three. Jay Khan, thanks for joining the Pucks and D Podcast, my friend.
0: Uh, well, I appreciate the amazing intro there, Josh. That's 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 awesome. Long overdue to be on this podcast, by the way. And you guys do a great job on on the Pucks in Deep podcast. And when we get, got to have you in studio as well, coming in and, and making some fantasy plays as well, it was great to meet you. You're just a real stand up guy. So I'm glad to be on for the first time. Hopefully, it's the first of many.
1: Yeah, uh, absolutely. And you know, uh, I'm glad you touched on my my time down at the radio station. I thought that you know both yourself and and Tyler and and Boomer and Nick and Rob and all, all the guys down there for that fantasy uh, show, like you know, sometimes you don't really know what to expect, you know, when you go in and you say, okay, I know all these guys through my radio, but I don't actually know them. I mean, not like you would anticipate someone to be a real Richard or anything like that, but, uh, it was great. I thought it was a lot of fun. And, and those, those hours that we were on the show, I mean, obviously I was down there for the regular season pool. And then again, I got to reappear, which was fantastic for me, uh, for the playoff pool. And, uh, you know I thought it went really well. I thought everybody was really accommodating and uh, it was nice to you know put a face to uh to a voice, so to speak.
0: well, you fit in right away. It was almost like you were a member of the channel within a couple of minutes, right You're a knowledgeable hockey guy, so it was almost like we we didn't really miss a beat and yeah, it was great to have you. hopefully we can get you back there again sometime.
1: well, you'll have some strings to pull, I'm sure yeah. <laughs> uh, speaking about knowledgeable hockey guy, I mean so Jake, you work for a company that's uh spec- like specializes in hockey NHL. So, um, you know, why don't you tell uh, our listeners a little bit about what that's like for you? Um, how did that whole thing start at Sirius XM? And maybe, uh, you know, I don't want you to throw the company under the bus or anything, but a little, maybe what's, what's a, cause obviously people are going to say, man, what a great job, but there's gotta be some drawbacks, right? Like what's a, what's a negative aspect of having to be forced into watching hockey all the time?
0: <laughs> well, when you put it like that, it's hard to find a negative, but uh, I always try to stay positive, just in general, with with everything in life. But obviously, there are some some tough parts about the job. You know, it's it doesn't pay great right off the bat when you get into radio and things like that. You're working crazy hours. When I first started at the station, I'm working you know Saturdays, Sundays. I'm missing my beer league games, and you know it's kind of a grind. You're you're thinking, okay, am I ever really going to get to a point where I'm just going to have a normal you know Monday to Friday, nine to five type job? And when you get into media, when you get into sports media, you kind of throw that out the door at the start anyways. You, you know that that's probably not going to be the case. But recently I've been lucky enough to, to have a spot Monday to Friday, now this season doing one to three during the day. So, you know, that gives you some normalcy, you know, when you're waking up and you can get into a, a bit of a routine. But, yeah, I have to say at, at the start it, it can be a little bit tough, but you're so wide-eyed, you're so excited. The, the fact that you just get to talk hockey for a living, it's it's still pretty crazy to me thinking back to, to high school when I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do and thinking, you know, w- you know w- w- where you want to go with your life from there, and and always thinking I just love to talk hockey, I'd love to talk sports in general, and to actually be doing it now is is pretty cool.
1: Well, I mean, it's it, it is really cool, and I, I'm not I'm not sure your exact a- exact age. I'm not going to make you age yourself, but judging from what I hear on the radio, you seem to be in your late twenties or so. So you were kind of you right. You nailed, it. Yeah. you nailed it. So you were kind of right around the time where you know so i'm 32 myself so we're close enough in age where you know we did kind of grow up in the day and age of like terrestrial radio you know there was no there was no serious yeah. xm there wasn't even a whole lot of internet influence especially no social media so you know to have that dream or that aspiration for a career back then would have been almost difficult to see a future and then all of a sudden you know, the 2000s and 2010s roll around and now we're turning the calendar to 2020 and an idiot like me can have a podcast and, you know, guys like <laughs> yourself and Tyler are, are coming on to it, you know, to be a guest on it. So it, it's nice that, you know, as time goes on, we seem to open up our abilities to, you know, propel our, our thoughts and our, our opinions on a sport that millions and millions of people follow. And to be honest, Jake, you can't really consume too much, can you? Unless it's no. the Leafs
0: it's crazy it, to be honest it's crazy how much the sports media has changed in that time span that you mentioned you know i think back to high school you can probably think back you would've been a similar age to me you know at the time i i kind of grew up thinking oh i'd love to write for a newspaper you know i'd love to cover a team something like that you know, by the time I finished school, by the time I was trying to get into the workforce, newspapers were basically dying off. What's and a newspaper? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Nobody nobody reads those anymore, which is unfortunate. That's that's how I learned how to read growing up was reading the sports section, and you know, I I always loved newspapers growing up personally. But you know, then I ended up getting into radio because I just thought I could be more myself, and you know, could give my opinions on sports a little bit more because I have so much I, I feel to offer and, and so many opinions in my head. So I liked it a lot better than the television aspect. After I finished school, you know, I did a a bit of radio, a bit of TV, a bit of writing, I always levitated more towards radio because I felt like I could just be myself, be casual, talk hockey, You know, wear a sweater to to work. So it was a little bit more up my alley.
1: Well, your friends and former colleagues refer to you as the man rocket. So (laughs) I don't don't (laughs) imagine that you were shunned into radio like some people might be.
0: I was encouraged actually by uh, some of my Teachers at the school that I went to to eventually go into television and who knows, maybe some somewhere down the road. Uh, that's a possibility, but right now I just love what I do on the radio and just being able to be myself and, you know, have that kind of personality. I I felt like when I got in front of the camera on television, you, you have to put on a bit of a face. You have to be a little bit more fake, maybe not yourself. So I, I just love the radio. I love to just be able to to talk and, and say what I feel.
1: Yeah, I do agree with that. I can kind of relate a little bit in the sense that, uh, right now I do play by play, uh, broadcasting for the Pembroke Lumber Kings here in town and you know a, a few times i've had to do the kojiko feed which is television and they do in booth camera shots of the broadcasters like before the game and at a, at every intermission and then afterwards like normal stuff right but it's kind of awkward you're right like when the camera comes up into the booth and i'm not just doing the play-by-play anymore i'm like on tv talking to my color guy about what we just saw it's almost like turn that camera off and just get back to the action like you know the listeners or the viewers don't pay to see my ugly mug up in the booth here
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, i'm sure it's not so bad but it, it's true it does kind of put you on your toes a little bit more and i i I don't know. I just feel like when you can turn on a mic and there's no cameras on and you know that it's just you and the microphone or you and whoever else, like how you and I are talking right now, you can just get you can be more yourself. Right. It's more organic. You get into that good sports debate. That's what I've always liked. I've listened to the sports talk radio since I can really remember. So it's pretty cool to be a a part of the industry now and, you know, being able to talk hockey every single day. It's it's awesome.
1: Yeah. I mean, I like music as much as the next guy, but I, I learned early and often that I liked to listen to people talk. Now, I a lot of people that know me well, Jake, they would say, "Well, Jesus Christ, you like to listen to yourself talk?" Well, yeah, that's kind of true too. I've been doing it for a long period of time, maybe twelve, thirteen years now. Whether it be broadcasting or you know podcasting or whatever, um, I, I do. I have always enjoyed just hearing people's thoughts, hearing their opinions. And, of course, SiriusXM with the likes of your channel, uh, NHL Network Radio, and, of course, other ones that are a little bit more risque, like the Howard Sterns of the world. You know, <laughs> they, they really offer you something that you just can't get around the water cooler or at Christmas family dinner.
0: Yeah, sometimes I wish we could be a bit more like Howard Stern, right, and just fly off the cuff and... Uh you know, unfiltered hockey talk almost, but we have to tone it down a little bit. You never know who's listening out there. It is right. satellite radio, but you know, you never know if there's kids in the car or anything like that. So you, true. you do have to still be on your best behavior. But when I come onto a podcast like this with you, we can, we let loose a little bit.
1: Well, you can drop a couple F-bombs if you'd like, my friend. And, and speaking, <laughs> we'll of, see, yeah. speaking of bombs, we might get to those a little bit later. I know you guys like to drop bombs. We'll talk fantasy uh, in just a few minutes, uh, but I wanted to bring this up too with you, Jake. So much like Tyler, you are a Leaf fan uh, hidden in the corner when you're behind the microphone because you can't really, you know, proclaim your allegiances. Otherwise, you, you know, you might discredit yourself because of the amount of right. people that just hate the Leafs and hate their fans and have no time of the day to give us in blue at all. So you guys kind of have to hide it. And I think Boomer does a really good job of not, you know, throwing you guys to the wolves, because let's be honest, he could do that at any given moment, couldn't he?
0: Yeah, Absolutely. And I, you know, I feel like it's a, it's a give and take process because I I feel like most people that listen probably wouldn't even know uh, where our allegiances lie or the fact that Boomer's a New York Islanders fan as well. Right. And, and, you know, that's something that I've always uh, took, took in pride in, you know, coming up through sports media and especially now getting into hockey, i've never understood why anybody would be biased towards their team obviously you want them to win that's that's clear when you sit down and watch the games you're going to cheer for your team but when you're talking about them you know even with your buddies and things like that why sugarcoat it you know yeah. I'm, I'm i see what i see and i'm not afraid if my team's not playing well to say they're playing like crap right now you know i'm not going to sugarcoat it and say oh well you know try to make excuses for them i'd, I'd rather look at it even keel i don't think you get anywhere you know sugarcoating things and trying to make your team look better than it actually is so for me that really never been an issue. I still cheer for my teams. I still want them to win. But when it comes to talking about them on the air, I'm not going to hold back and I'm not going to be biased in any way.
1: Yeah. And that's a great thing. I mean, objectivity is probably the best attribute that you could have when you're in the media, whether we're talking about sports or politics or religion or anything, you got to be objective. You got to be able to see both sides of the coin. Otherwise, you're just going to come off as a total asshole, right?
0: I, I think that's that's a great point to make because you know it's easy to see one side of the coin or or even one side of the argument that you might agree with. But you do have to be able to see both sides. And I think that's key, especially when you're looking at teams that, you know, you might be your favorite teams, teams that you grew up watching. You have to be able to see the other side. You have to be able to watch the game as if you're watching it from the other fan base's perspective. And, you know, that's kind of how I go into every game when I watch them. You know, not even Maple Leaf games, just any NHL games, is trying to watch it from both sides. Because sometimes you end up only looking at it from one side, and that can affect your judgment on the game.
1: Yeah, so let me ask you just quickly then before we move on to the hockey talk. Um, as a guy that watches so much, Jake, uh, do you tend to maybe migrate to a game that you know has a more objective-like broadcast as opposed to throwing on some of the homer feeds that we can find? Because I-, I know obviously like myself, Jake, you probably flip and hop around even more than I do. Uh, yeah. but i often gravitate towards certain teams i love the st louis feed i love dallas's yeah. feed i love colorado's feed and i tend to go there more often than not
0: i'm i'm the exact same man i've got a, a two television setup my girlfriend can't stand it but i've got the <laughs> the, the, the yeah the two television setup so when there's a you know, a 10-11 game night, something like that. Um, I'm flipping around. I'm, I'm going to different broadcasts. I like to check out all of them, to be completely honest, but I do have my favorites. You know, you mentioned yours right there. I love the Winnipeg Jets broadcast. If, you know, if the Jets are playing someone, I'm always going to lean towards that broadcast. There's just, you know, certain times where you've got two teams playing and, and you got to pick the feed that you like the most. But I like to mix it up. I like to see the different play-by-play guys, you know, the the different men and women that work in sports media, the, the reporters, the intermissions, and things like that. So I, I, I do like to mix it up as much as i can but obviously i got my favorites that i I like to go to on a consistent basis
1: yeah well it really broadens your horizons too like of course you guys have a lot of uh, guests on the show that are play-by-play announcers color announcers uh, rank announcers or you know beat reporters so like you said if you're flipping around and seeing everyone you're putting a face to a name and it just really helps your overall knowledge on the game both on and off the ice at the same time
0: yeah. And there, well, there's some great men and women that work in sports media as well. And I, you know, I, I think it's good to just be able to check it, check them all out, and not get stuck on one broadcast or not get stuck on one team. And it, it's pretty cool now in this day and age. You know, we talked about how far sports media has come over the past even just 10, 15 years. Now we have that access to be able to just flip on our television and look at any feed we want. You know, instead of being stuck to your cable package where you might get one or two games a week, now you can really just watch everything, and you could basically get into a a hockey coma for six hours every single night.
1: Yeah, I actually just said this to my buddy the other day I said I almost like I I don't I wouldn't change being a Leaf fan but I said I I almost wish it were some other team because it would be so much more fun to watch the same awesome broadcast for my team every time but because it's because it's the Leafs we get that national feed and so we have to have certain you know carriers carry the game, and that means certain broadcasters. And then they don't want to they don't want to pump up the Leafs, and they don't want to give us Joe Bowen yeah. because he's such a homer. But meanwhile, <laughs> you know Mark Mosier is over there in Colorado with some of the best calls in the world because he loves the the Avalanche. You know,
0: no, it, it, it's actually funny you bring that up because I've always thought about that too. Out of all the 31 now teams in the nhl the maple Leafs are really the only one that doesn't have like a true home television broadcast you know everywhere else has that same broadcast pretty much monday to sunday and you know what you're going to get you know the maple Leafs one night you're on tsn and you've got you know gordon miller or chris cuthbert on the call then the next night you're on sportsnet with those guys then you might get saturday with the jim Houston. so it's always somebody different and you're right you don't get that home flavor. Whereas, you know, every other fan base out there can turn it on and you kind of want a homer broadcast. Yes. if You're a fan of that team. You know, you want, you know, the, you still want them to be objective and you want them to, to be able to call the game, but you also want them to get more excited when your team scores than when the other team scores.
1: Yeah, exactly. So uh, let's flip it over to the hockey talk, Jake. And one team that um, it has not been doing a whole lot of getting excited recently are the New Jersey Devils. Uh, John Hines fired in New Jersey and it was interesting because I was following uh, along on Twitter and I saw a tweet from Tyler Mataraz go figure uh, that the firing was expected to come, but that John Hines will coach the Vegas game and then several hours later. Oh, wait, no, he is fired before the game. What's going on there?
0: A heck of a transition by the way, into the devils there. I had to I had to mention that. You did a great job on that on that transition. <laughs> I know how tough that can be, but I always appreciate a good transition. Nice. That, it's it's just a mess, man. And and Boomer and I have talked about it on the show a few times this year, even before all of this came. You know, the Devils are, are kind of like this weird stew that has been put together with all these different parts. You get Gusev from Russia. You know, you draft Jack Hughes first overall. You bring PK Subban in. You sign Wayne Simmons. There's all these different parts. And, you know, they're all good in their own right. You look at them singularly and you think, okay, these are all good players. But how is it going to work when we throw them into the stew together? It, you know, is it going to taste good? And it tastes awful to start the season. They they look terrible in their own end. And, you know, PK Subban's been a nightmare. There's no way around it to, to start the season season wayne simmons has started slow i'm not going to really mention jack hughes too much because he's a young kid uh he's just learning the game at at this point gusev was a healthy scratch for a few games as well so he really hasn't worked out their goaltending's been a disaster so Ultimately, at the end of the day, John Hines takes the fall for it. It's unfortunate because you know everywhere you look, it sounds like he was a well-liked guy and he was a really good coach, but this is how it works in the NHL. When the team's not getting it done at this point of the season, you have expectations. The coach is going to take the fall for it, and that's exactly what we saw. It's, it's unfortunate for John Hines. I don't think he deserved to get fired. I don't think he was the reason why the Devils are struggling, but he's the one that has to take the fall.
1: Uh, Taylor Hall. Um, lots of talk going on about Taylor Hall. I think it's a real interesting one, Jake, because this isn't a scenario where Taylor Hall just is going to, you know, want to go to any team out there. Like he's in a contract year, so he's got to do whatever he can to maximize his his return on investment or whatever you want to call it. Right, so he doesn't want to go somewhere. He's going to want to go to a contender. If he's getting traded, it's obviously going to be to a contender, right? Like no other team is going to pick him up without uh, an extension on the contract. So uh, an interesting thing there, I'm hearing a lot of Colorado, as I'm sure you're hearing as well. They have some space. They've got the assets. Um, That team could be a real absolute nightmare uh, to go play with Taylor Hall added there as well. But what do you think is, is going to end up happening here with a guy like Taylor Hall?
0: It's a really intriguing situation because from New Jersey's perspective, you're obviously looking to deal him, especially if it continues like this. And, you know, you're not a playoff team in January, you know, or even late December. Um, and you're you're going to want to move him, move him on and try to get some assets if you don't think that he's going to sign long term. So from their perspective, they're absolutely going to move him. I, I, I'm just spectacle of... Uh, what the market's going to be for him. Our teams really going to want to give up a ton of assets or, or young prospects or things like that to try to bring in Taylor Hall? We've seen so many times before that those deadline-type moves, those mid-season moves, don't work out. And if I'm a team like Colorado, with the chemistry that they've got going on right now and how good they are, Why mess with that? Yes, Taylor Hall is a great player. I think he'd make any team a a better team. But midseason, you know, you're you're with the guys from the start of the year. You're with the guys from training camp. I don't like messing with that chemistry. You know, I, I look at other teams that could use some scoring, like a New York Islanders sure, they could use Taylor Hall. They could throw him up on the first line and he'd be great for them. But why mess with a good thing? It's working for them right now. Arizona is another team that I look at and say they could really use some scoring, but do you want to mess with the chemistry? So that's what it's going to come down to is one of these teams that's willing to take that risk to bring in a big personality, a big player that's going to eat up a lot of minutes like Taylor Hall and be willing to take that risk because that's what it is for me. I, I, if I was a team that's first in my division or first in my conference, I would be very wary of giving up Assets and picks in the future to bring in a rental like Taylor Hall.
1: Well, I mean, obviously, he's MVP caliber, so it goes without saying what he can bring to the table. But maybe what isn't being looked at hard enough is potential baggage that this guy may carry. Now, I understand that, you know, most or all of his injuries are things that you just can't avoid. Injuries happen. Um, But of course, you know, he has had some history with injuries before. Uh, he has been moved, obviously traded before and he was a high pick. So that's a bit of a strange one as well. But I mean, what, what do you think? Could there be any sort of negatives outside of, outside of what you just said? You don't want to screw up a good thing going, but are you expecting a guy like Taylor Hall to come in and just do nothing but get points? Like there has to be some sort of baggage that follows him around as he gets dealt to different teams.
0: Well, yeah. And the baggage too is going to be what you gave up for him. So if you give up you know, uh, a pick, a prospect, you know, you you can kind of make it out in your head what you think he would be worth. If you don't end up going on and winning the Stanley Cup, then you kind of end up looking like a a Columbus Blue Jackets from last year, you know, who who go out and get Matthew Shane and it doesn't work out. You get bounced in the playoffs and now you're, you're left picking up the pieces the next year. And I think that's the risk that comes, comes along with it. Yeah. You mess up with the chemistry uh, a little bit as well, I think Taylor Hall's a great player. You mentioned it. He's he's MVP caliber. The one thing, too, and and another knock on him would be the lack of playoff experience. We really haven't seen him go deep in the playoffs before. So it's not like like you're trading for this veteran guy that's been there, that's been through the wars and has won a Stanley Cup before. You're basically trading for a guy that's barely played in the playoffs throughout his career. So is that really going to help you come playoff time as well? I just think there are so many variables here. I think uh, most people will jump at it and think, oh, Taylor Hall's available. Why would you not want to go for him? But there's a lot more to it than that. And I I just don't know if I'd be willing to mortgage the future for a few months of Taylor Hall and then he's going to go sign elsewhere as a UFA.
1: Yeah, that's true. Because then as soon as it doesn't work out, I love that you bring up Columbus, such a, a great reference point. As soon as it doesn't work out, you're immediately left feeling like you just got robbed.
0: Yeah, and, and you're left picking up those pieces. And unfortunately for Columbus, there were some different factors in there too, right, with Artemi Panarin leaving and not bringing back Sergei Bobrovsky as well. But, you know, they, they kind of mortgaged the future a little bit. They went for it. They go for Matthew Shane. And then now the next year, they're they're not a playoff team. You know, we, nobody looked at them as a playoff team coming into this year. So I, I don't mind it. I like that teams are able to take that risk. But you have to know on the back end that it might not work out and you might be uh, left not looking too good going into the next season.
1: Okay. Um, all right, uh, let's move along here. Uh, quick point on the hockey culture shift. Um, obviously huge news over the last whatever it is, a couple weeks or a week and a half or so. Um, you know the, the people want to say that the first domino was actually the the Mike Babcock um, firing, which you know led to some stuff coming out about him and Mitch Marner and some mind games back in Marner's rookie season. Uh, Again, Lesko and I kind of covered this just earlier before I brought you on, Jake, so we don't want to go too long on this, but just want to get your thoughts with, you know, are are you on that side of the fence where where people are kind of saying... Oh geez, enough of this. Or are you kind of on the fence on the other side where you're saying, no, you know, this is a good thing and it should be happening in the sport.
0: I think it's a case by case basis, you know, see, like trying to weed through this all and, and seeing the different stories that are coming out to me, you know, guys like Bill Peters and Mike Babcock, now that we're hearing those stories, they just sound like terrible people. They, they don't sound like good people, people that I'd want in my organization. And then now we're hearing allegations against Mark Crawford that, you know, might not be quite as bad and, you know, I, everyone's trying to figure out, OK, can we even compare that to what, you know, Bill Peters did or, or what Mike Babcock did? The important thing for me here moving forward and what I don't think enough people are talking about, you know, everyone's kind of busy throwing stones and, and, you know, trying to bring up stories and things like that is where do we draw the line? Where do we put the line in terms of what's right and what's wrong with head coaching in the National Hockey League or, or just coaching in general in sports? And, and that's an important discussion that we're going to have to have here moving forward so that everybody's on the same page and everybody knows, OK, this this can fly this doesn't fly. And I think that's the next step of this conversation instead of just, you know, trying to throw everybody under the bus and bringing up all these stories.
1: Back to hockey. Uh, I'll throw some fantasy questions at you quickly, Jake, and then I'll let you be on your way for some dinner there. So basically fantasy hockey. I mean, what's your favorite format for the pools? Do you like this head to head thing uh, in Yahoo or, or are you more of a yearly round kind of guy?
0: I'm definitely a head to head guy. And my reasoning for that, and you know, you're in my league, actually one of my leagues. And I, I like the the fact that you get to play different people every week and, and you're playing your buddies. You know, we have a, a, a league with our men's league hockey team as well uh, where we've got 14 guys from our team that all play. And, you know, you're chirping each other on a Sunday at hockey and, you know, you've got a good matchup going with your buddies. I think that's, to me, what fantasy is all about. I, I don't really play for the money or anything like that. I just kind of like to chirp my buddies and go back and forth you know, on a week to week basis. So when you get the rotisserie style where you're playing year long, you don't really have that, you know, you're, it's, you're kind of just playing by yourself and you're playing up against the standing. So for me, I prefer the head to head, but I, you know, I understand if people like the, the year long thing as well, that's probably the best way to decide who had the best team is, uh, you know, who finishes first in a rotisserie, but personally, right. I like, I like the head to head.
1: Yeah. Cause it sucks. Like actually just a couple weeks ago, not in our league in another league I'm in, I, I had like I had the week of all time, and so did the other guy. And I ended up, oh. I ended up losing like six five. And I checked the stats, and I would have won eleven zero against every other team, but I lost six. That's, that's brutal. And even he messaged me. I he know. goes, bro. Sucks for you on this week, eh? He's like, we killed it, but I ended up beating you. And I'm like, yeah. And I stay in fifth place instead. I like I should have rocketed up to first, you know.
0: Yeah, and and that's part of fantasy, right? I mean, I play all all major fantasy sports. I have that in football all the time, right? Where you're the you're the second highest scoring you know team of the week, and you end up playing the first highest scoring team of the week. But you just kind of have to take that with a grain of salt sometimes and understand that's part of the game, but obviously really, really frustrating part of playing the head to head style.
1: Uh, so what about daily fantasy? Uh, you yay or nay on daily fantasy, like fan duel or draft Kings?
0: I'm yay. I, I got pretty into the DraftKings for a while now. I haven't been doing it recently. And um, I personally was more into the football and the baseball aspect of it. I had a ton time you know figuring out the hockey and figuring out what works and i found that i would be in matchups and i'm cheering for shots on goal and you know things like that where i'm i can't really control i i felt like with baseball and with football i had a bit more control over things so i I ended up you know going towards those uh dk sports a little bit more uh but probably get back into hockey at, at some point but i'm definitely yay on daily fantasy, I think it's a great way, you know, for people that maybe aren't in, you know, full-time fantasy leagues to jump in anytime they want, you know, you see a card, maybe you're going to be at home and, and you're going to be in the games. It's a pretty cool way to throw a few bucks down and and maybe win some money.
1: Yeah, you're right. It's a good way to get your feet wet. Um, I know a lot of real good sports fans now can credit, you know, fantasy sports for bringing them on board. Like the reason why, Uh, i'm a football fan is because i played fantasy football not me personally but just someone you know i played fantasy football and now i love this team and i'm a big fan and it wouldn't have been that way if i didn't get invited to a pool um so i like that aspect too um i was i like uh, i wanted to mention that i like what you guys do on the radio a lot you 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 throw out your lines too like where do you get those lines are you looking at that on like a betway or something like that
0: yeah I'm seeing and, and you met, you bring up the DK and the fantasy and and you know that you're basically betting money at that point when you play those I'm more of a of a gambler in terms of just betting on the games now I don't really do as much hockey because I find hockey can just be so so random yeah it is. And I don't really want to throw my money on a shootout or anything like <laughs> that so you know I tend to go to other sports in terms of trying to put my money down but for the sake of the show we like to give out our picks we like to give out lines we like to find some value you know look at games where we think okay this team shouldn't be favored by this much you know this team shouldn't be this big of an underdog and you know just try to give the listeners who are into that sort of thing uh, a chance to maybe find some value and look at it but i wouldn't really recommend anybody betting on hockey unless you feel like pulling your hair out on a nightly basis
1: i used to do it when i was in university and i was on like i remember i had a year where i was on a heater like it was pro line everything (laughs) i pro lined was right, and it was was amazing. That
0: that that feels good to go to the store the next day and cash. That's the best part about ProLine is you get the instant cash the next day. Yeah,
1: and even some of them were, you know, minor ones, like, okay, here's here's a $63 win, here's a $102 win, here's a $47 win, it was chalky. But it was right, yeah, and it was $5, so I'm going to go collect my winnings and go get some beers.
0: Take that right to the beer store. I was just about to say the exact same thing. I always thought of it as beer money. I'm like, okay, I'll take my 50 bucks and I'll go right to the beer store. Yeah, (laughs)
1: yeah, exactly. Um, All right, my man. So uh, actually, uh, I I wanted to ask you on the lines, how often do you guys actually play what you say on the show? Do you ever go home and be like, I'm actually going to play this tonight?
0: Well, Boomer doesn't play it at all. He he'll make like one future bet every single year on my account, and he'll give me money for it. Last year, he actually won it with the St. Louis Blues. So, you know, I ended up having to pay him pay him out for my account like a thousand dollars because he won his yeah he won his Blues bet. So that was great. and I, I think he'll probably do that again. He usually tries to do it around December, January every single year where he tries to find some value. I'll, I'll bet some of them if I see a line that I really like. Usually the pick I give out at the end of the show is the pick I like the most for the night. And I'll try to stick to that. I don't like to bet too many games with hockey because then, you know, i I find I'm watching the games more for my bets than I'm watching them to actually talk about them and analyze them on yeah, the show it ruins the, it next, for sure. the, the next day. Yeah. I don't want to look at it through, you know, a jaded glasses or, or cheering for my bet or anything like that. But I'm not afraid to throw a few bucks down when I see a line that doesn't make sense to me.
1: Right on. Okay. So uh, rapid fire for you. Um, I know yeah. you guys. I know you guys do bombs uh, on your fantasy show, which is actually coming out tomorrow. Um, so, in lieu of that, I made a little get out or hold out. Uh, so, I got some names for you here. Actually, some of these names are some people that have been asking me personally, like they think I know what I'm talking about for fantasy. Uh, <laughs> well, you they, do, man. You do. <laughs> they they uh, they ask me what I think on these players. So, uh, some of them are guys that I saw on Yahoo that are potentially a little bit over owned, uh, maybe at this point in time. Uh, And others are even some guys that I dropped recently myself. First one on the list, Phil Kessel. Dropped him, scores a power play goal tonight. Uh, I'll put the two of them together for you because they're both uh, coyotes. So Phil Kessel and Oliver ekman Larson. You getting out or you holding out on those two?
0: I think I'm definitely holding on Phil the Thrill. And again, I say this by... Going into the year, not really wanting much part of him in terms of fantasy, but I think depending on your league size, you got to hold on to him. Kessel has always been a streaky guy. You know it, Josh. You're, you're a Leaf fan. You watched his time in Toronto. He'd go on a heater for five, six games where he'd be scoring every single night, and then he wouldn't score for nine games, and, and that's kind of Phil Kessel. So I think when he gets hot he's going to get hot, but I still really don't see him getting over the 25 goal threshold this season. And for Oliver Ekman-Larsen, I, I just don't know if his game translates that well over to fantasy. And there's other defensemen now on Arizona that are getting it done from a fantasy perspective, like a Jacob Chikrin, like an Alex golagoski And I think that's eating into Oliver Ekman-Larsen. He's not exactly getting that power play time. So that's a guy that I, I might be fine getting out of.
1: Okay. Next on the list, El Nino. Nino Niederreiter
0: nino niederreiter this is an interesting one and for me nino depends on league size if you're in a deep league like a a 14 team league maybe even a 12 team league I'd, I'd condone having nino on your roster it hasn't been a great season for him right now but if you're in an eight team league or a 10 team league I, I wouldn't want any part of nino niederreiter
1: okay mark giordano and this is a soft one for me because tyler tried to trade for mark giordano like <laughs> <laughs> three it was a while ago he was like man he went to my high school i, just- I was gonna
0: say <laughs> big surprise <laughs> I mean, they're, they're, shaman, they're shaman odd boys yeah
1: he's Over. like he's like he went to my high school i just want to dr- i can't remember who he offered me and it, it's not like it was bad i was just like ah i don't know man like i like him i'm gonna keep him and it's like that's not buyer's remorse that's not accepting a trade remorse right there
0: Yeah, and it's hard to trade the guy that just won the Norris Trophy last year, and we saw what Calgary was able to do last season. There were so many games, especially at home, where they'd score like seven or eight goals, and they would just totally run it up, and Giordano would be all over the score sheet. So for those reasons, I'm hanging on to them. I know it's been brutal for Calgary to start the year. They've been very very inconsistent but i think at some point it'll it'll click and they'll get things going you know this whole bill peter situation has now settled itself and they're just going to be able to go on and play some hockey i still think giordano should be a pretty good fantasy asset moving forward
1: okay and how about recent healthy scratch alexander radulov
0: oh that's an interesting case i I can't believe they actually made him a healthy scratch i agree jimma Yeah, Jim Montgomery is quickly becoming a coach that is not afraid to call out his players or not afraid to send a message. He did it with with, uh, Jamie Benn and Tyler Sagan. He calls those guys out for not playing up to snuff. He gets kind of a response for them. Now he's healthy scratching Alexander Radulov, who I've never thought of being as a lazy player. I I always thought that he's a guy that just works every single night. It hasn't been going in for him. And I think that's Montgomery's thinking is, okay, maybe he just needs a bit of a wake-up call, uh, You know, just just, just kind of a fresh start, give the lineup a different look. I don't think He'll be in the press box for more than one game. He should be back out there next game, and uh, I think Radulov will get it going here moving forward.
1: All right, last one for you. We'll stick with the Stars and Joe Pavelski.
0: Oh, man, I'd say I'd have to get out of this one, and it's unfortunate because I'm a big Joe Pavelski fan. I've I've always really liked him, and I actually – You know, had him pegged for close to 30 goals coming into this season, but it just hasn't worked. And when I watch the Dallas Stars, I don't really notice him that much. Even strength, he's had a tough time finding his regular spot on the power play that he had with the San Jose Sharks. So at this point, I got to say I'm cutting Joe Pavelski.
1: All right, man. That was pretty solid. I think you were half and half there with the seven or eight that I gave you. I think you were kind of split. So that's good. I was afraid you were going to be like, no, I'll get out of all of them or "Or no, <laughs> hold <laughs> keep, all of them. Keep everybody.
0: Yeah. <laughs> just so the
1: worst fucking podcasting in the history. Um, <laughs> but that worked out pretty well. And So before I let you go, Jake, last one here, I just wanted to uh, you know, honor your bombs. I don't know if you guys are going to bomb tomorrow, but maybe if you do. Uh, One of the following guys might be on this list and uh, stop me if if you're thinking that they all could be bombed. We got Brent Burns, one assist, 16 shots in the last two weeks. Morgan Riley, three assists, 17 shots. Johnny Goudreau, three assists, 15 shots. Alex DeBrinkit, two assists, 23 shots. And Mike Hoffman, One goal, one assist, 19 shots.
0: Well, Johnny Gaudreau has already been a bomb victim for this season, and we we don't like to bomb guys too much or pick on, on a certain guy too much so I think Goudreau probably safe he's for safe. now because right. he's yeah he's still recovering from the bomb that Ty hit him <laughs> with I, I hit Shane Goss' bear with a bomb a couple of weeks back he went right into the press box he's actually played a lot better now that he's been out of the press box and you know not a healthy scratch anymore so that's good to see for Ghost and I believe Boomer bombed Jake Voracek when he was struggling and you know he's got it going so say sometimes when we bomb guys it's actually a good thing it wakes them up a little bit maybe they're listening to the show and yeah get, oh, you know, I really do have to get it going. These guys are throwing bombs at me right now. So, so I, yeah, out of that list right there, I, I think Goudreau is probably pretty safe. Riley struggled a lot, and and that's been weird for a guy that was so so good from a fantasy perspective last year. He was a great value play for me in fantasy last season, and it just hasn't been happening for him right now.
1: Yeah, he's a, he was a beast last year, and like it's, I, I'm worried that he's hurt personally.
0: Yeah, that's it, it. It's hard to say. You're spec. You'd just be speculating, right? But even. A couple of the plays that he's made, and I think everybody saw the play against uh, Colorado the other night, the bobble at the blue line. He looks like he's a little bit tentative at times compared to last season, so maybe he is nursing something.
1: Yeah, who knows? I mean, maybe some some, uh, eggnog over the Christmas break will help heal him (laughs) up a little bit.
0: (laughs) That always helps me.
1: Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Well, you know what else helps you? I heard today is uh, some ice cream, but I needed to ask you. what, what I hear you're a real ice cream monster, eh?
0: Well, just snacks in general. It's <laughs> it's it's hard for me. Well, and you know, right? We just talked about it with watching all the games, and I'm on the East Coast, so I'm staying up till late at night to watch the West Coast games. Make sure I get everything in before I go to bed. And you know, I have eaten dinner a few hours ago. You start to get hungry a little bit, so those snacks are pretty hard for me to avoid. And I, I can't have ice cream in the fridge. There's there's just no way. <laughs> it just it does doesn't stay there for long.
1: Like okay, what what are you talking about? Like a little rocky road, or a little, like what sherbet, or what?
0: A little bit of everything, to be completely honest. I'm a, I like that that mix that they have. Um, Neapolitan, like the fudge, or like the fudge brownie mix <laughs> okay. with uh, the the rocky Rod. I'm I'm good with pretty much anything. I'm not going to be too
1: picky on the subject. So. All right, right on. Well, that's food, <laughs> hockey, and fantasy featuring Jake Hahn here on the Pucks Indeed podcast. Listen, Jake, uh, thanks so much for joining me, my man. Uh, it was great to have you. Uh, hopefully, uh, not the last time that we'll have you here on the podcast. I really appreciate you jumping on with me here tonight.
0: Anytime, man. Thanks so much for having me, and I can't wait to come back on again.
1: Sweet. All right. Well, we'll look forward to uh, tomorrow's show and see if, uh, see if any of our bombs make it on there. Or, uh, I know you guys are going to be talking about goalies, so I'm going to be tuned in for that for sure.
0: Yeah, we're talking uh, G1s. We're looking back at all the the 12, so a 12-team league, all the G1s that were drafted. And was it a good pick or was it a bad pick? And we're also going to look at who you could have had in that spot if you didn't take that goaltender.
1: Oh, boy. Hindsight shows are the worst. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) All right, man. We're looking forward to it. Take care. And once again, you can find Jake Hahn on SiriusXM channel ninety one. One to three o'clock every day. He's a working man. He's got working hours. Find him on Twitter at Jake or sorry, at Jay four on the Twitter sphere. And uh, thanks again, Jake. We'll talk to you soon, buddy.
0: Awesome. Thanks bud. Great to talk to you.
1: You too. Cheers, man. Man, what a great chat there with Jake. Um, obviously very much like Tyler, we've had on the show uh, several times in the past. Jake is just on board with everything. He's, he's up to snuff. He knows what's going on. Uh, got, you know, inside and out everything he knows about the league. It's great. A little jealous, uh, not going to lie. I mean, my, uh, you know, he says the girlfriend hates, uh, girlfriend hates the double TV thing. I mean, I i, I feel like, uh, you know, Kirstie would be off her, her chain as well. If, uh, <laughs> if I was always watching hockey, I mean, I always am, but it's always leaf games. So I, I, I feel like I can kind of get away with it. But uh, anyhow, I think I'm going to wrap this one up folks. Uh, been a good addition uh, here, of the Pucks and Deep podcast. Had Lesko join us from the Bahamas. Had Jake join us from the Six. Uh, it's been uh, a lot of fun here. Solo effort for myself here at the farmhouse. Thanks for joining us here on the Pucks and Deep podcast. We look forward to another edition next week. We're nearing our fifty episode mark. Got our Spotify year in review um, emailed to me there earlier today, and. Shout out to friend of the show, former guest on the podcast, Cody Jacobs, rolled in at number one, the highest listened to podcast. I can't say highest rated because we don't get rates on each podcast, Um, but congratulations, Cody. It was entitled The Longest One because we had Cody on to talk to us about analytics, and my goodness so detailed if you ever want to get a good handle on the analytics side coursey all that stuff possession metrics make sure you tune into episode 27 the longest one featuring cody jacobs our number one listen to podcast episode of all time this one might take it over though with a great appearance from jay con at SiriusXM nhl network radio channel 91 hopefully we'll have him on again soon we'll see you again next week